I want to share with you a portion of God's Word tonight. Philippians chapter 2 is the chapter that God used to save me. Philippians chapter 2. You know, we spend most of our lives trying to make a name for ourselves, don't we? We spend most of our days trying to develop a good reputation. And the Bible says, actually, in a couple of places, that a good name, let's put that ball underneath your chair, Johnny. Put it underneath your chair. The Bible says in a couple of places that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Did you know you could have all the money in the world and have a terrible name? Or you could have a good name and be quite poor. And God says it would be better for you to have a good name, good character, good reputation and have very little money than to have all the money in the world and have a terrible name. He says it again in Ecclesiastes, a good name is better than precious ointment. So it's good to have a good name. But the scriptures tell us that Jesus made himself of no reputation. The Bible tells us that Jesus had the best reputation and name that could ever be had, and he poured it out. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, and he says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. And let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Would you look here for a moment? That's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Is to look at somebody else and say, I look at you as better than me. Do you know we spend, we spend our days comparing ourselves with one another and and we feel better about ourselves if we can find somebody that we think is worse than us, don't we? But Jesus teaches us through these scriptures that it is better to esteem other people. Think of others better than yourself. And he goes on, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. God wants you to stop worrying about yourself. Start thinking of somebody else. Now, Paul is writing to Christians. And he explains that the only way you and I could ever do that is if you look at Jesus. In the very next verse, he says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but watch this, made himself of no reputation. Now, would you look this way for a moment? Can you imagine Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Do you know that in heaven, angels bow before him? Do you know that when he walks in heaven, everybody clears the way and hushes their mouths? Because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you know at the beginning of creation that he spoke and this world was created? Do you know that he walked on water when he was on the earth, that he spoke to the waves and said, that's enough. And the waves calm down. Think about that. That even the wind and the waves obey him. 
But you and I think we don't have to. Jesus is Lord. And he took that reputation of being the greatest of all. And you know what he did with his reputation? Look here. He took it like this glass of water and he poured it out. He poured out his reputation so that when he came to this world, nobody would see him as God. He poured out his reputation so that he could walk amongst others like you and I. Do you know if God walked into this room tonight that every single person on this in this barn would fall to their face immediately? I get annoyed every once in a while. I meet somebody in the city center whilst we're passing out leaflets. And they say, if there is a God, when I see him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And I think to myself, no, you will not, buddy. You're going to fall straight on your face when you see him. And if God Almighty walked through the doors of this barn tonight, that's exactly what every single person here would do. You say, I don't believe in God. Believe me, you will when you see him. But do you know Jesus? God in the flesh, took his reputation, set it aside so that he could walk on this planet and nobody would ever know. It's remarkable. We want everybody to look at us like we're a God. We want everybody to hush up when we walk in the room. We want everybody to respect us and think that we're somebody special. But God poured out his reputation. This is one of the things that Muslims have a hard time with. How could God become a man, they say? How could God defile himself? How could God stoop so low to become a man like us? That is the miracle of it all. That is one of the greatest miracles of the incarnation. That Jesus, God himself, became a man. And he humbled himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, written 700 years before Jesus was born, it tells us this about, about Jesus, that he was despised and rejected of men. Can you imagine that? Look here. Can you imagine God being despised and rejected by man? Can you imagine the one that created man, that took up dust from the earth and formed man and then breathed into his nostrils life, and then that piece of clay getting up and saying, you know what, I reject you. Can you imagine? But that's what happened. Now, how did God, how did Jesus empty himself of his reputation? Here it is. I want you to listen as carefully as you can. How did the Son of God pour out his reputation? Well, I believe it began at his birth. Jesus was born of a virgin. That means that Mary, his mother, never knew, certainly not before Christ was born, did not know, Joseph. In fact, she became pregnant before they were even married. Do you know what that is? A scandal. You know it. You think about right now in your culture. Think about right now. If a young lady before she was married became pregnant, what on earth would you do? What would your family do? Bad news, wouldn't it? And here is Mary carrying Jesus in her womb. What a scandal. Joseph said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put her away quietly because I don't want my name to be tarnished. And God said, no way. I've intended it to be this way. That Jesus would be born into shame. God chose that. Why did God choose for Jesus to be born into shame? Look here. 
so he could identify with you. Do you know that Jesus' whole life bore that reproach? He was talking in Rome in John 8. We looked at it this morning. He was talking with the Pharisees, and they said to him one time, hold on a moment. They said, we are not born out of fornication like you are. That's what they were saying. Jesus would carry that for the rest of his life. Can you imagine the shame? Here he is God, and now he's being looked at as an illegitimate child. He poured out his reputation at birth. Already from the time he was born, his reputation was gone. But not only that, do you know another way that Jesus poured out his reputation? Would you look here? I love this one. Another way that Jesus poured out his reputation was by the company that he kept. How many have ever heard this before? Bad company corrupts. You heard that before. Bad company corrupts good manners. Or the scriptures say that evil communications, uh, if you, if you carry on, if you hang out with bad people, look here, do you know what's going to happen to you? If all of your days are spent with evil people, if all of your time is spent with bad company, very soon you yourself are going to be just like that. But do you know who Jesus spent his time with? Did he spend his days in the synagogue? Oh, he visited occasionally. Did Jesus spend his days with the religious crowd who thought they were better than everybody else with their long robes and, and they carried their, their copy of the Torah around with them under their arm? Did Jesus spend his days with those people? No. Do you know who Jesus spent his days with? The Bible tells us over and over again in the New Testament that Christ Jesus, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 10, uh, they came to, it came to pass as Jesus sat to meet in the house that behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples and when the Pharisees the religious crowd saw it they said to his disciples why eateth your master with publicans and sinners would you look here for a moment Jesus ruined his reputation by spending time with people like you and me Jesus ruined his reputation by spending his time with the outcast of society with the down and outs with the drunkards, with those who couldn't behave himself, Jesus spent all of his time with people like you and me. You see, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how it ever happened, but every once in a while somebody thinks, well, I, I, if I'm going to go to heaven, then I'm going to have to be this, I'm going to have to act like I'm somebody really really special and really holy and, and uh, walk around maybe with a long robe on. And, and Jesus came for people who were broken. That's who he came for. He sat with them. He ate with them. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 19, the Bible says they called him a friend of publicans and sinners. His friends were the sinners. I'll never forget it. I remember a few years ago that Tommy Wall and I went to go to a wake. Somebody had passed away and, and we showed up to show our support and see if we could talk to somebody about the hope of Jesus. And we got there, and there was a group of Christians standing way down away from the family, the people who had just lost somebody that they loved. I said, why are they staying away down there? They said, well, we don't, we don't want to mix. And uh, we need to, you know, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye holy. Well, how are you going to help them if you're down there? Jesus sat in the middle of them. Jesus ate with them. And his reputation was squashed. They said, oh, look, he's a drunkard. Look at him, he's a glutton. Look at him eating with all those sinners. Look at him, he's a wine bibber. He loves his wine. They trashed his reputation 
Was it true? No, he wasn't a glutton. No, he wasn't a drunkard. But they made it up because of who he sat with. His reputation was ruined. They attacked his reason for coming to this earth. They said he was born an accident. They attacked his reason for coming to the sinners. They said the only reason he was with the sinners was because he was a drunkard and he was a glutton. But they couldn't have been further from the truth. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He poured out his good name. He let others give him a bad name. Not only that, do you know that when he'd perform miracles, they slandered that as well? He did miracles, and here's what they said. He must be working with Satan. He couldn't win. Everywhere he, everywhere he went and everything he did, they ruined his name. They slandered him. He cast, cast out devils, and they said, well, the only reason he could cast out a devil is because he's working with Satan. Over and over again. It goes on in John chapter 9, verse 16. They said, this man is not of God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath day. In John chapter 9, verse 24, we know that this man is a sinner. In Mark chapter 3, this man is beside himself. He's a madman. His own family. Look here. His own family said he's a madman. Do you know my family said I was a madman when I first came to Jesus? They really thought I was touched. They couldn't believe the change that had taken place. And they thought that maybe I bumped my head. Maybe I got brainwashed. They couldn't figure out what happened to me. But they knew that I was not the same fella that I was a little while ago. Jesus himself, they called him a madman. In Matthew 22, verse 42, on the cross, they mocked him. Oh, he saved others, but he can't even save himself. They slandered him and ran his name over and over again into the, into the dirt. He really did empty himself of his reputation. But why? Do you know that in death, in death, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he took upon him the form of a servant. And the Bible says this, that he became like a man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. Would you look here for a moment? The most shameful way for a human being to die was to be hung on the Roman cross. Do you, know why, do you know why that was shameful? Because it screamed that that man was a criminal. Did Jesus ever commit a sin? No, he did not. From the time he was born until the time that he died, he carried reproach and shame and slander. Why did he do it? Why did the Son of God pour out his good reputation uh, he could have snapped his fingers. He could have breathed on the army of Roman soldiers that came to arrest him and squashed them like bugs. He could have clapped his hands and had 10,000 angels come down and take care of everybody. But he didn't. He could have looked at those Pharisees and caused them to melt on the spot. But he let them slander him. Just like today, he lets you mock Christianity. He lets you resist and reject he lets you say sly comments about jesus christ and about following christ and living for the savior he lets you do it for now but why does he let it happen matthew chapter 9 is one of the most beautiful passages of scripture i remember when i was 18 years old and i first read these words i couldn't believe it matthew chapter 9 and verse number 12 jesus said this they that be whole or those who are healthy do not need a physician, but they that are sick. 
Why did Jesus humble himself? And why did Jesus pour out his reputation? Let me tell you why. He did it so he could walk right up next to you, sit down next to you, and help you. He goes on and he says this, But go ye and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Jesus came and emptied himself of his reputation so that he could rescue you, so that he could call you to himself, because you couldn't go to him. You could not go to God. The Bible says your sins have separated you like mountains from God. And you couldn't get to God if you wanted to. So God came down to you. God came down to you. He humbled himself tonight. He humbled himself so that you can be saved. That's why he poured out his reputation. That's why he let people spit on him. He let man spit in his face. God. The one who spoke and said, let there be light. And the sun was brought into existence. That same God let a man spit in his face so that he could save your soul. The Son of God was willing to face such slander and reproach so that he could rescue your soul and my soul. Now here's one little thought. Don't you think that you and I ought to be willing to suffer a little bit of reproach for him? Amen. If Jesus was willing from the day he was born to the day that he was died, to the day that he died, if he was willing to suffer so much reproach and slander, don't you think you and I should be willing to put up with a little bit of bad communication? Don't you think you ought to be willing to put up with a little slander? Do you know the number one reason that people won't come to Jesus Christ today? Their pride. They're afraid of what their family and their friends are going to say. They know they need to be saved. They know they need to be born again. But they know that if they come to Christ, that their mates and their family are going to give them a hard time. One of the young men this morning who followed God in baptism, followed Jesus in baptism this morning, on the way from this barn to the lake, somebody said, you can't be baptized. Who do you think you are? You can't be baptized. After the way you've lived your life, you can't be baptized. Thank God he put his hands to the plow and did not look back. Let's pray that he continues. And some of you will abandon ship at the first little word of discouragement. Some of you will go back to your old ways the first time that somebody pokes at you and jabs at you. Some of you will throw in the towel the first time somebody says, oh, come on, look at you, trying to be a holy man now, are you? Maybe some people just want to take the icing and the cherry on top and leave the shame and the reproach. Some people just want to get a ticket, as, as Johnny was saying a moment ago. Some people just want to get a get-out-of-hell-free ticket. They just want God to save them, and then they want to go on living the way that they've always lived. It can't be done, my friends. That's an impossibility. It doesn't work like that. Can you see what shame that Jesus bore for you? And are you ashamed of him? Luke chapter 9, let me read this for you. You've got two more passages, and then I'll wrap it up. Luke chapter 9, listen to this, and verse number 23. And Jesus said to them all, if any man will come after me, listen to this, if you're going to follow Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Look here, how are we going to follow Jesus? Let me tell you, one day at a time. One day at a time. 
You've all, you almost made it through this day. Boys, you've almost made it through today. Tomorrow when you wake up by the grace of God, get up, get underneath of that cross, put it on your shoulder and say, God, by your help and grace, I'll carry this cross today. By your help and by your grace, I don't care what anybody says to me, I don't care what I feel and what I want to do, I'm going to carry this cross because Jesus carried mine. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Do you know what's wrong with some people? They're trying to hold on to their life. Ooh, uh, they love it. They love the drink and they love to carry on and they love the company and they love the good time. But can I tell you, if you try to hold on to that life, you are losing your soul. You're losing it right now. Jesus said this, whosoever will save his life, trying to hold on to his life is going to lose it. But whosoever will lose his life, if you'll let go of your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or lose his soul? What good would it be to you if you held on to all those precious things that you love and you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul and died and went to hell? What good would it be? And then Jesus says this. I want you to hear this. Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Did you catch that? Did you hear that? If you will be ashamed of Jesus now, if you're afraid to confess him as Lord now because of what other people may think, then when Jesus comes back, and by the way, he's coming soon, when he comes back, he will be ashamed of you. If you say, well, I know I need to come to Jesus, but I'm afraid of what, what my mates are going to say. I'm afraid of what my family is going to say. Therefore, I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm going to do it. Then believe me, you're going to wish when he comes, when he splits that eastern sky, when Christ Jesus comes back in all of his glory, and you see him with your eyes, you're going to wish that you were never ashamed of him. Because it'll be too late. I don't think it takes a theologian to recognize that we are living in very troubling times. Most would say the last of the last. The last of the last days. Most would feel it in the air and sense that something is happening in this world and things are moving in such a way that Christ Jesus is coming soon. And I'm telling you that if you don't get right with God tonight by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ, it may be eternally too late. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, listen to what he says here. He says in a very similar way, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Did you catch that, my friends? When Christ comes, everything that you've been hiding is going to be revealed. Some of you think that you're hiding things. Some of you think you're getting away with things. But believe me, when Christ Jesus comes, it's game over. Hide and seek is over. All of your sins will be uncovered. Oh, but I bury them. Nobody knows about those. Believe me, they'll be uncovered unless they are already covered by the blood of Jesus. If your sins be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, they shall never be dug up again. Jesus says, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you've spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed in the housetops. And he says this, I say unto my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you of whom you shall fear. Fear him 
which after he hath killed has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Stop being afraid of man. Yes. Stop worrying about what other people think. Stop trying to please everybody. Tommy Wall told me many, many years ago, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. Stop trying to please people. Because believe me, one day you're going to regret living, wasting your life trying to please man when you should have been pleasing God. And then Jesus says this in verse number eight. Also, I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the son of man also confess before the angels of God. Four of our brothers today confessed Jesus before men today. Four of our brothers said, I am not ashamed of Jesus. Say what you want to say. Call me what you want to call me. I'm not ashamed. And because of that, in verse number eight, if you confess him before man, then Jesus will confess you before the angels of God. Isn't that an amazing thought? Isn't that an amazing thought that Jesus Christ is going to confess your name before all the angels? You know what that means? That when he comes back with judgment, when he comes back with his sword, that he's going to look at you and look at me and he's going to say, that's mine. He belongs to me. She belongs to me. She's one of mine. Believe me, the relief that will flood your soul when Jesus comes back and he begins to identify you, begins to draw you as one of his. But can I tell you that if you are tonight refusing to be identified with Christ, if you're refusing to confess him, he that denieth me before men shall be be denied before the angels of God. Are you denying Christ today? Are you still this very evening refusing, refusing to come to Jesus? You say, oh, I've got my own religion. You say, I've got my own. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't say to be identified with religion. Jesus didn't say confess this particular kind of a church. Jesus didn't say confess this particular system of theology. He said, confess me. And if you refuse tonight to bow the knee to King Jesus, take him as Lord and Savior, then on that day it'll be eternally too late. And that day is coming soon. That day is coming soon. The Bible says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without or outside of the gate. Meaning he was crucified outside of the city with a bunch of scoundrels and criminals. And then the author of Hebrews says, Let us go therefore unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. It's a mark that you are really a child of God if you will bear the reproach of Christ. Do you hear me? It's an evident token that you belong to him when you're not ashamed to bear the reproach of Jesus. When it no longer bothers you that people mock you and scoff you and ridicule you, that's the evidence you belong to him. I wonder tonight, have you come to Christ or are you still ashamed? Are you still ashamed? Jesus bore your shame. Will you come to him? I want you to bow your head with me, please. I wonder this evening, how many of you believe that Christ Jesus has died for you? You have been saved. Would you raise your hand? You believe by the grace of God? Good. Thank you. I wonder if there's anybody else here tonight that would say, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm saved. I I don't believe I am. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Can I tell you this evening? Today is a day of salvation. 
Today is the day for you to get right with God. And there's only one way, that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Right where you sit, would you ask Him to save you? Right where you sit, would you ask God to have mercy upon your soul, to wash you of all of your sins, and to make you a new person? Would you ask Him now? Let's pray. Father, by Thy Spirit, we ask of the Lord, save some of these dear ones. The ones who've raised their hand in simple acknowledgement that they are without Christ and currently without hope. Tonight, Lord, have mercy. Save them. Save them, we pray. Open their eyes, Lord. As our brother sang a moment ago, open their eyes and show them that it is you, the Savior of the world, And I pray that tonight they would be unashamed to confess Christ. They would be willing to stand and be counted amongst the number of his children. Work by thy spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.